the AZ Wildcats podcast presented by Arizona Lottery. Don't forget to head out and buy your holiday scratchers today. Be like John Schuster and uh, make a lot of money off your holiday scratchers. With Ben White, John Schuster, I am merely Mike Luke. All right, Arizona rolls. Um, first of all, this wasn't a bad Colgate team, fellas. Um, I was actually fairly impressed. But Ben, the thing that was... Uh, and this happens every single game, it seems, and it feels very much like a harbinger to the past of where Arizona hits a Arizona hits a hot streak in the second half, and it goes from being a five point game to a twenty point game. That's exactly what happened in the second half around the under sixteen t- uh, timeout. In the blink of an eye, too, right? I mean, it just happened so quickly. It was a five-point game. Arizona came out. They asserted themselves in the paint. And, uh, yeah, first of all, I mean, you're right. I mean, Colgate's not is not bad. Um, I think they would beat a handful of teams in the Pac-12 this year. I mean, they are the favorite to win their conference, what, in the Patriot League, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, they've made the NCAA tournament a number of times. Three seniors. You got two big guys up front. So not a bad team by any means. But, yeah, Arizona just asserted themselves. Um, they put the pedal to the metal there in the second half. And I think, you know, when you look at what they did down low, I think it was a 44 to 10 point advantage right. in the paint. So that's kind of your game right there, Mike. And, you know, just a number of different guys getting involved. You had four different guys in double figures. And again, with the way college basketball is going, with the number of upsets we've seen over the last week or so, a great spot for Arizona to be in when you look at what that AP poll will potentially look like on Monday. John Schuster, I got to give you a lot of credit. You are uh, you are the most uh, knowledgeable Arizona basketball person I know because you can see things ahead of time. Schuster, you said two things, that Arizona was going to beat Duke and that they were going to be ranked number one at some point. Arizona has already beaten Duke, and I would assume they're going to be number one, even if Bruce Pascoe has something to say about it. Oh, Bruce Pascoe. What's Bruce Pascoe going to say about Arizona being number one? Oh, <laughs> come on, Bruce. Come on, Bruce. No. Well, you you know what? Yes. Uh, I am possibly the most knowledgeable person related to Arizona basketball who has a Bruce Pascoe referenced Columbo painting behind him. Uh, And and, and, hey, I lucked into two for two. You could have gotten a nice parlay odds perhaps on that on your uh, favorite gambling site. Uh, But uh, here we are. Yeah. You know, Arizona does does a lot of things. Well, all of that aside, and thanks for the uh, the kudos and the platitudes. Salute emoji. Indeed. Uh, But uh, one of the things when when I was covering the Wildcats a little bit more consistently, a uh, l- little closer in the 90s, uh, they had a term for Arizona's fan base. Uh, Mike, Ben, you're probably very familiar with what they called Arizona's fan base. They called them the Blue Hairs. Mm-hmm. There was a reason that they called them the Blue Hairs, because uh, Arizona's fan base had a reputation of being, well, uh, you, you know, up there in longevity. You know, I, I was I was not alone from Generation Stonehenge uh, with folks who went to Arizona basketball games at McHale Center. But I feel bad for those folks who now 30 years later uh, have to stand for inordinate amounts of time in the second half at games at McHale because Arizona won't let the opposition score. And we need I- more handrails and we need possibly more canes and walkers provided by the University of Arizona because this damn basketball team plays defense so well in the second half. I blame Tommy Lloyd for all of that. Somebody for the holidays needs to step out, step up, and help this fan base out just a little bit because I know, I know from experience, the hips get a little cranky, the knees get a little uncomfortable. You don't want to stand. I know somebody, true story, who has nine toes, 
who's about to have eight and a half toes. Do you think it's easy to go to a game at McHale Center and stand for an extended? But Shu, I got to give you. But when, when we were talking, when toes, we were, we need Shoo. help, Mike. Shoo. We need help. When we were talking about it, though, the defense throughout the game, that's what we were talking about. And that's what's unique about this. Sean Miller's teams defensively, yes, they were very good. But what they didn't do is they never turned off defense into offense. And what this team is able to do, Ben, is that they turn defense into offense. How many times, you know, a lot of people were questioning, you know, Caleb Love. And what exactly, oh, is he just going to come in here and just score? Is he just going to try to be a, uh, um, you know... He not only that, not only has he come in and scored, but he has been a facilitator out there. And more importantly, he's been a defensive guy. Schuster talked about it too, about how he thought that, you know, Pella Larson could really be kind of that next level defensive player. This team overwhelms you and it's suffocating on the defensive side of the ball. It's certainly not the pack line uh, defense you saw under Miller for sure. It's uh, it's definitely a style and a defense that, like you said, turns it into offense. And I think that goes to the type of coach Lloyd is. I think it goes to the type of style they want to run. And I think what's crazy about it, too, is you look at Love as an example, just a convenient example from today. I mean, he had eight rebounds. He was Arizona's second uh, leading rebounder behind uh, Ballo tonight which is insane because those guys are getting up in those passing lanes. They're getting aggressive down low. And I think this team is just so selfless. Um, I think when you look at what happened there in the first half, th there was a play that stood out to me very clearly. And it was, it was Kylan Boswell facilitating the offense and the shot clock was running down and Arizona had a number of different passes on that possession, just trying yeah. to get a good look and get the ball out to the perimeter and try to find somebody to knock down that shot. There were like four seconds left on that shot clock and Boswell had a, a decent look an okay. Look, it was going to be contested for sure. Um, but he found, I think it was Bradley or Larson in the corner wide open and Arizona just nails the three. So I think, when you play defense first and you're as aggressive as they are and you're able to turn that into transition opportunities, um, you're able to set up your offense accordingly, it helps on the other end too when you're trying to play as efficiently as possible. And I think this team is efficient. I think they play smart. And I think you know their defense is what's going to win them games and hopefully get them very far this year. Yeah, Schuster, I mean, that was the thing too. Like with Lute's great teams that what he would do is that, again, he would – he wasn't going to sit back and hope you miss by playing good defense. He was going to look to turn that defense into offense. And last year's team didn't really have that capability because between Creesa, between uh, Courtney Ramey, you just didn't have the athleticism quotient that you do now. You, again, when you're throwing Boswell, when you're throwing, um, um, excuse me, Pella Larson, when you're throwing Caleb Love, and then you're bringing KJ Lewis, Jaden Bradley off the bench. And then you, oh, by the way, you got Keyshaw Johnson. By the way, Don McClain, my biggest pet peeve ever, and I'll get to this in a minute, is commentators that can't pronounce players' names right. That is my biggest pet peeve. That is the first thing that you should learn how to do. We'll get back to that in a second. But Schuster, again, it's just kind of overwhelming. It's going to be interesting to see them against, because uh, you're going to have some really good teams coming up here. But if Arizona goes into a game and they know they're better, they're going to exert that and not hope that you end up just missing shots. And it feels like there's a little bit of patience involved, too. I'm guessing that there were a lot of Wildcat fans uh, who were uh, a little annoyed, irritated, concerns the wrong word, I think, but uh, uh, about Arizona's lethargic start today. Right. Uh, and, and but after they got into the second half, because this was what, five point game at the half? Yeah. Colgate's lingering around. It's pretty clear that Arizona's the better team. And you had a pretty good idea that they'd open it up a little bit. It turned out they opened it up a lot. I think it was a 22 point difference uh, in the second half. And a lot of that, Mike, is, as you noted, I think a patience factor and a belief that the system's going to work. 
and that Arizona's depth is going to work as well. So those things come into play where Arizona's able to go on some of these significant runs. And I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the U of A being in a position where it can go eight, nine, 10 deep with some good talent that just, you know, gets to that point where it wears you down and you've got athleticism uh, in the equation as well. Arizona is well-balanced at pretty much every position on the floor, especially in the backcourt, which allows you to go on some of these runs. Right. Okay, Chad, let's now go to the Desert uh, Financial Credit Union by the numbers, my friends. Jacob Franklin, uh, I believe you got this for us. All right, here's the deal. Um, Desert Financial, uh, this is presented by Desert Financial Credit Union, Arizona's number one credit union named by Forbes. Again, these are for the people by the people. Check it out, Desert Financial Credit Union. All right, now, here's uh, the numbers. Obviously, Colgate, you know what this num- these numbers show me? That Colgate was overmatched physically, but they don't stink. Like Saul said in there, I think Colgate could absolutely get somebody in the uh, uh, NCAA tournament. It's a solid team. Um, They don't beat themselves. But you saw right there, you see right here with the rebounds, that's generally when a team, Ben, just has physically more capability, more firepower, more athleticism than you. And there's really nothing that Colgate could do about that. Thank you, Jacob Franklin. Well, and, and to build off Shu's point, right, when you have the guard play and you have the depth behind that to back that, um, it's going to be a recipe that's it's really hard to beat. Yeah, Colgate's good. They can shoot. Um, I think they're averaging 40% from three um, on the year, right? which is it pretty, pretty high at this point, just given the amount of games that we've played. We're almost getting close to that halfway point. So no doubt they can shoot. And as you know, in the NCAA tournament, all you have to do is get hot from the perimeter, especially in that first or second round. And um, who knows what happens after that? But yeah, I think that that's the key here with this Arizona team. And I think that's why they're clearly at this point in the season, the best team in the country, just because you have the depth up front, you have the athleticism and the experience. And then from a guard perspective, you have the offense and the defense. I mean, there's not one guard and it's really hard to come across in college basketball. I just think in general, but when you look at that rotation of guys starting, especially in the backcourt, there's not one guy that isn't willing to put it all in and give effort on the defensive yeah. end. Yeah. When is the last time you could say that about a guard on Arizona? Seriously. I mean, everybody kind of buys, everybody kind of buys in shoe. And again, this is, this is something that I got to give. And again, I hate to keep bringing back loot here, but Arizona played Colgate and I see a lot of similarities between uh, Lloyd and loot and that, listen, it would have been very easy for loot Olson back in the, uh, the late eighties, early nineties to say, you know, screw you already been to two final fours. What I do works, um, buzz off. But he said, no, I will not do that. I will let Mike Luke into practice and we will go to a faster paced (laughs) offense uh, that Mike Luke can watch in practice. But Tommy Lloyd, it would have been very easy for him to say 61 and 11. Who cares? You know, but he obviously took inventory of this roster and he said, all right, if we're going to make that next step, we got to get tougher. We got to get more athletic. We've got to get more players that can facilitate either for themselves or for others off the bounce. And that's exactly what this is. This isn't a team that like last year, it felt like uh, they're playing above their means. This just feels like a team that when you go out on the court, they're better than you and they're going to try to beat the snot out of you. And it gets worse, I think, and more progressively problematic when you can go from player seven to 12. Yeah. And you know, even in garbage time, you can't help but score points because th- there's some talent on the roster. It's a nice, 
I don't know if it's a problem. I guess everything's a problem in one way or another. Trying to find playing time theoretically is a problem if you've got twelve talented guys. Uh, but that's the that that that's the problem that Arizona has. Embarrassment of riches, John. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, kind of like Mike Luke, uh, the embarrassment of riches. Uh, yeah. The Mike Luke autobiography might come up and uh, might come out in twenty twenty four if he ever actually gets around to uh, writing it and not asking other people to write his autobiography <laughs> for him with the uh, title "Embarrassment of Riches." Uh, so at least we have the title figured out. Uh, but what you, you know, right now there's there's a lot of yeah there, there's a lot of self scouting that I think went into Arizona, and it's good that you have a coach in the program that's willing to recognize and believe in a foundation that works because the foundation's important here. Yeah. It's not like you go in and say, well, you know. Yeah, we were 61 and 11, but we kind of sucked from a physicality standpoint. Screw it all, we're gone. We're starting, we're, we're getting rid of everything. We're going to be entirely 180 different. And, and, and we're everything that we did, we're getting rid of. You have to be able to pick and choose. And, and you want to build the foundation. You don't want to tear everything down and start with a, a different foundation. Arizona understood what it needed to do and, and did, did a very good job going about how to go about it. And it has obviously shown very well in terms of a team that's obviously, even though the other Wildcat teams were really good, and they earned their uh, seedings in the NCAA tournament, uh, this is obviously a better outlet. And what they can do from a lot of different uh, perspectives makes it very difficult for teams to try to deal with them. However, one of those things, and, I, and again, I think this could be interesting in games that follow up, uh, in the stats that you showed earlier, one of the things that, you know, jumped out is that Arizona was 7 of 22 for three-point range. Early in the game, Coldgate packed it in. Every team that Arizona plays is going to try to figure out how to deal with that. And packing it in is, you know, one of, they're going to make Arizona beat you from the outside or do their best to do that. And I think in the first 15 minutes of this game, while the final rebounding number was a 20-rebound difference in favor of Arizona, it was significantly closer, uh, I think, in the first 15 minutes. And that's about the time where Colgate was controlling tempo to some degree. They had it, they, they, they had the points in an area where they had a chance to compete. If this game was, I think it was 35-30 at the half. If it was going to be 70 to 60, if it was in that high 60s, yeah. low 70s range, Colgate had a chance. Uh, so that's the style that uh, – and folks who talk about maybe Colgate's a team that can win in the tournament, they'll have to win a game like that. It'll have to be in the 60s or 70s. So the first half worked to their favor. They packed it in. They uh, limited Arizona, generally speaking, to one shot on the offensive end and, um, and, and took advantage of opportunities on the other end to keep it close. In the second half, Arizona obviously did a much better job doing the things that it does well, and that allowed them to get the separation that we've come to expect. Let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the um, uh, the balance of this team. But I will say this: Have you guys you watched this performance, and you might think, man, there are some real heroes out there. And look at uh, Michael Candrea in here, by the way. I believe a, a son of the great Mike Candrea. And we say great in uh, homage, my friend. But many heroic performances out there. I say this. I would bet they're consuming hero bread. Have you guys heard of hero bread? Yes. Have you really heard of Hero Bread? Yes, yes, because I listened to your reads, Mike Luke. Of course I've heard of Hero Bread. Not only have I heard of no, Hero Bread more. from you, I've heard about it from Ben, but maybe folks in the audience would like to hear more, Mike Luke. All right, it's high in fiber. John Schuster needs much fiber, 
and it's low in uh, net carbs. Right now, Hero Bread is offering listeners 10% off their first order. Just go to Hero.co and use code PHNX to save on Hero Bread today. That's Hero.co to save 10%. We're always looking for that. And if you're like the uh, venerable John Schuster and you play scratchers, you play lottery, you play mahjong, you play um, all (laughs) kinds of stuff, you know, that's uh, Arizona Lottery is also... The place for everybody, not just people like John Schuster, but people like myself as well, or for the younger folks like Ben White, because guess what? Who doesn't like to make money? Check it out. Arizona Lottery, my friends. Here's the deal. All right, Arizona Lottery, you can go out there and you can get a scratcher for just $1. Top prizes are up to $500,000. Go out and buy your holiday scratchers today, my friends. Holiday scratchers. Rodrigo Dev, this is the question of the show. Rodrigo, can you find Hero Bread in Circle <laughs> K? I do not know if you can find that, but if, uh, but again, with the way Circle K is, I would expect that there, I don't know what there is there, but everything at Circle K is fantastic. By the way, Circle K is the cheapest gas in the city right now. There's two different spots that I went to. I went out on the Benson Highway at 263, and um, there was the uh, there was one at two for 235 the other day, which was... Uh, if you could take care of the inner circle, if you're part of the inner circle, as John Schuster mentioned, then you would uh, you would be part of that. Mahjong, what's wrong with Ma- Mahjong? That's uh, okay. anyways. All right, let's talk about let's talk a little bit about the uh, just the overall depth of this team. Um, this was mentioned. Uh, Ryan Hansen, <laughs> what does that guy know? Um, Ryan Hansen mentioned uh, uh, a couple weeks ago when he was on the show that. There's never been a team in U of A history that has had six players in double figures. Um, and the closest one was 03, where you had all five starters, then Hassan Adams averaged 9.1. I think there's a very legitimate chance, Ben, that this team's going to have six players in double figures because the starters are all going to be in double figures. And I think Crevis is going to be, a, I think Crevis is going to be on there, uh, is going to be in so many blowout games where he's, Maybe he gets four in one game and then 20 in the next. But I think Crevis is going to be right in there as well. I think so. And I mean, not only blowout games, I mean, he might be in games that Arizona needs as well, just because Ballo has had some issues with fouling and just the free throws. I mean, and as we talked about against Michigan State, there are just some matchups and some games that he really struggles with. But you look at it right now, you've got Boswell, Keisha Johnson, Caleb Love, Umar Ballo, and... leader of men men. and then after that who's going to kind of be your wild card like you said crevis um kj lewis maybe but i think it's going to be harder for him just because the guard spot is so deep but he had a heck of a game today too i mean he hit a three and uh i think it was his six or seven on the year so his shot is starting to come around and, and he's so young but yeah i mean this team is deep i mean there's no secret about it and you just hope that it stays that way um with the way that things play out we know that injuries can happen we know it can be a long season um but you know this team i think it's it's not I think experienced as, but it does remind me a lot of just UConn last year in the sense that you have so much depth. I mean, you UConn had 10 guys that could like go to that. last I year. I like that, Ben one And that's why that they won that national title last year. And I think at times you're going to see Arizona be in games where maybe they're shooting bad, maybe they're getting out-rebounded, but they're going to win games they're not supposed to win just because I think they have more uh, more firepower than the other team there, Mike Luke. Ben White, or uh, not Ben White, John uh, John uh, John Cash, what, 
John S. What is it? John K. Schuster? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, no, it does matter. You want. I should know this from how many times I've emailed you. Is it John K? It's, it's John it's K. Shu, we're going to go by Twitter. It's Shoe Universe, right? I'm Ben One White. He's Shoe Universe. <laughs> it's the Shoe Universe. Is it John K. Schuster? It <laughs> yes, is, it is. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, yes. But but uh, this is really about as deep as. Uh, again, I thought it was an interesting point that Rhino made because normally I'm a sucker for uh, stats or weird little things like that. Five players, five, all five of these starters are going to average in double figures. And I think you could have somebody off the bench average that as well there, John Schuster. John K. Schuster. I, I, uh, the, the, there were some discussions behind the scenes that the name of Mike's autobiography would be I'm a sucker for stats. So mm-hmm. we're still working on some titles out there. Uh, one of the stats that I think might be sort of fascinating out there, if, they, if, if this team averages at that level, uh, what's that, 70 points on the low end? Yeah. Right. So you're already uh, putting a lot of pressure on opposition where you're going to be in a position conceivably to be in a lot of games, even if things don't go well. And that's a nice benefit, I think, for Arizona to have. That kind of balance obviously puts teams in a lot of pressure. There were certain things, uh, and and obviously if folks want to go back because they're bored and they're sick of watching Hallmark Christmas movies already and watch a bunch of uh, Mike Luke postgame shows uh, from last year's team. There will probably be, you know, some discussions on how to scout Arizona. And it had a lot to do with how you're going to deal with Tabellus and then see if other people can ultimately beat you. And it worked out that way. Figuring out Arizona is going to be a little bit more difficult. There's a lot more if that goes into getting a W against Arizona. Well, all right. John Schuster is frozen up on us, and that is an odd look. But there is a lot. If you're going to beat – this is actually fantastic. If you're going to beat Arizona, uh, Ben, you're 1,000% going to have to be able to – you're going to have to be able to put the ball. You're going to have to be able to put the ball in the basket, and you're going to have to be able to have a variety of different players that are going to be able to do that. Not only are you going to have to have a variety of players that are going to be able to do that, um, you're going to have to be hitting on all cylinders because Arizona's B game can beat a good team's A game as well. Yeah, Arizona's C plus game can beat a team's A game. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think it starts with up front. Um, if you have no size and not only size, but athleticism, you have no shot. I mean, you saw Colgate today. They threw guys in the paint there and kept it close for a little bit. But when you're not athletic and all you can kind of do is stand there and, and stick your hands up, it's only going to get you so far against a guy like Keyshawn Johnson and, and Ballo as well. So I think it starts up front. Um, and from a shooting perspective, you better have A-plus guards. I mean, we all say that guards win in March, but... This year alone, I don't think just with the way college basketball is, and Arizona's been a beneficiary of this, as a lot of teams have with the transfer portal, with NIL. These teams are more well-rounded than they've ever been. Um, They're more tenured as well. They have more experience. And when you combine all of that together, it's it's a tough recipe to beat there in March. So if you don't have the good guard play and you don't have the A-plus game up front, I mean, you've really got no chance. I think one time, I think uh, we, we shouldn't really minimize either having uh, being ranked number one, um, being ranked number one, which I believe Arizona is going to be is uh, that's a big, that's a big thing. Again, kids like it. Not only do kids like it, there we go. Not only do kids like it, but it's also just a cool thing to have. Arizona hasn't been ranked number one since uh, 2015 what 14 so it's been about 10 years or so the first year they were ranked uh that guy tony Jamino put out i think in 80 
Uh, 87 was the first time that Arizona was ranked number one. It's a cool thing, and I would expect Arizona, despite our guy Bruce Pascoe's best efforts, I expect Arizona to be ranked number one right there, uh, John Schuster. Internet number one is not ranked number one. Apparently, internet number two is not ranked number one either. I apologize for uh, both of those things. Uh, hopefully, uh, this holds a little bit, but I, I wouldn't uh, hold my breath. That means you get all kinds of weird facial expressions, perhaps, and that perhaps, that, and that's kind of fun too. Uh, nevertheless, yes, I was. Were you guys surprised that it was been ten years? For um, me, it, it kind of caught me off guard. I, 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 I was surprised that honestly, yes, because I don't know why. But it felt like either, and I know that I, I and probably the team I thought at one point and that's it yeah. felt like the eight and team at some point. But remember, they got destroyed by three teams so early in the Bahamas, yeah. That, um, but took I them also, a while to crawl, cl- yeah, climb back, right? Never got. I, I also, I, I'm also a little surprised, I guess, that I don't uh, the Tommy Lloyd's first team, which went in as the number two overall seed. Uh, are this the number two overall number one seed? Obviously, I'm surprised that they weren't number one either at some point. That's a good question, Shu. I didn't, uh, I didn't really thought about that. I, I it just, it, it, you know, it kind of caught me off guard. I, like you said, I would have guessed that one of the Lloyd teams, you know, if you're 61 and 11 in two years or whatever that his record was, that and and, and you're, uh, you know, ranking that mix at some point, you'd think you would have had spent a week at number one, but it didn't happen. And this week, obviously for Arizona, it's going to get there. And uh, it looks like they're in a position. They're obviously good enough to deserve it. How long they hold on to it. Who the heck knows? Uh, they play Wisconsin next, right? Uh, and Wisconsin yes, beat Marquette today. And Wisconsin beat Marquette today. And, you know, so, and, and Wisconsin's the type of team that can play tempo and can rebound pretty well. So, you know, it might be uh, one of those games where Arizona struggles a little bit. Additionally, and one of the commenters mentioned this below, and I've heard this from some other folks as well, and I don't disagree with it, that Arizona's weird schedule right now where they had nine days off for this one, they have another seven off for the next one, then another seven off after that. It seems like a curious uh, December schedule where there's a lot of break in there and you know, maybe that uh, leads to a little bit of rust. It certainly looked in the early stages like Arizona almost entered this game disinterested, and it took them a while to finally uh, get going. If that happens against a team with higher caliber talent, it might become a little bit more difficult to get the W that you hope. Yeah, and see, that's kind of where that's where I'm at as well. In that, I just don't really see. I agree with Schuster. If I was actually going to, uh, if I was actually going to, well, Mike Luke, excellent coach, as we all know. But um, you know, again, um, uh, a humble modesty also was the name of my autobiography. Um, but <laughs> that that's what I would do, though. I would pack in the paint, and I would hope that. Um, Caleb Love is having a two for 13 game that Pella Larson is shooting the set shot and it's getting blocked. Um, and that, uh, you know, that Boswell just isn't hitting. That's really the only thing that I think you can do because they can beat you off the bounce. They can beat you down low. And, yep. and, and if the game is close, I'm fouling Umar Ballo leader of men every single time. Uh, by the way, we have this comment in here. Um, did you know that, uh, somebody asked Saul Bookman, Saul Bookman should be the free throw coach for Umar Ballo. Do you know about this, guys, about Saul Bookman's uh, free throw prowess? I do, but I would love to hear it again. All right. Well, John Schuster is my ghostwriter, as you know. And uh, basically, when I wrote an article about a, a player uh, named Sammy Wade, which John Schuster heavily edited, um, the uh, and I was the better man for it, I was looking up free throw, per, or I was looking up uh, uh, AIA stats. 
three-point shots, free throw shots, all of that. Free throw shots. I sound like I'm in like the 1930s, <laughs> like my like my grandmother that said, "Do you play sport?" Um, but uh, the uh, but I was looking it up, and the guy in the state with the longest uh, consecutive made free throw attempts is the great Saul Bookman. I was very very impressed by that. I will say this: this uh, I would have that on my shirt. I would have that on every back the a hashtag that I have. That is a very very impressive stat, but. I say that to quote our good friend Kevin Woodman so I can ask you this. Um, are we concerned about Umar Ballo, leader of men, in close games, teams fouling him? Because I am, I still, I, I the Michigan State game worries me a great deal. That, to me, if we're picking nits, that's something else that I'm worried about there, fellas. I uh, was concerned, and I still am concerned, but I'm a little bit less concerned after seeing what Crevis can do here. Um I did not anticipate. I mean, you saw glimpses of it over the summer, but I think just from a matchup standpoint, Crevis kind of is that polar opposite in the sense that if Ballo is fouling, if he's having issues, I think Crevis is somebody who you can slide in there and, and probably get away with it. Assuming Arizona is still rebounding well, um, assuming that they're shooting okay, they don't need to be shooting lights out, but it's a concern for sure. Um, and, and time will go on. I mean, we'll see, right? Because this is a kid who, you know, Year one, he was a shell of what he is now. I mean, he's gotten gradually better every single year under Lloyd. And you look at what he looks like out there. I know he put on weight over the summer, but you watch him. He's as lean as he's ever been. So you would hope that it you, would come a little bit further. Hero, do you credit Hero Bread with that? Possibly. A lot of protein and fiber, possibly. But you would hope that he comes around a little bit. But again, I don't think he's going to go from shooting what he is now to shooting 80% at the at the line. I just don't think that's very realistic. But you hope it's a little bit better. Shoot, do you worry about it? Or am I sure. just being silly? No, no, well, well, it's a it, it's a gimmick approach, but um somebody's gonna try it if they think they're overmatched by Arizona. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's up to Arizona to see how they want to address that. And I think Ben's point about you know Crevis ability late in games becomes potentially kind of interesting, or if Arizona goes to a smaller lineup, uh, you That's know, as a result of trying to get uh, you know, that that sort of thing flowing a little bit. But, you know, if Ballo wants to be on the floor later in games, uh, it's something that he's going to have to address a little bit better. I think he maybe made some progress today, but, you know, you hope you can uh, get the adjustment to take place. He's got a fair amount of time over the course of the next couple of weeks, but I'm not sure you're going to dramatically change free throw styles uh, in that kind of window. You just got to hope you you can find something that's consistent from shot to shot that gives you a chance. And if it doesn't, I can see a game or a situation where maybe he's not the guy who's, you know, on the floor late in matchups, which isn't perhaps the best benefit for Arizona. Uh, Today for Ballo overall, I think was a little bit different. He started out very well. Arizona didn't do a lot of things great, I'd say, in the first, say, 10 minutes of the game. But Ballo, I thought, was engaged. And they were able to... he. He was a disadvantage for Colgate and was able to take advantage of that. His numbers are good today. Mm-hmm. Usually what we've seen in these games, at least in my uh, interpretation, is that Crevis has been at least as good in the first 25 to 30 minutes of the game, and Ballo has been the benefactor in the final 10. Uh, yeah. So you like the idea of him being on the floor uh, because he provides a mismatch and is kind of an impetus toward what Arizona is attempting to do in wearing out the opposition. Uh, but but if Ballo is struggling from the line, then you'd better have some other options if teams decide uh, that hack a Ballo is a strategy that they want to pursue. 
All right. You see all these comments in here. First of all, we got to get to, uh, we got to talk about Henry Vesar in a second because Anthony Humbert has been calling for Henry Vesar to get more minutes from day one. But look at Jacob Franklin in here. This is your typical ASU person, my friends, going in there, trolling our beloved Arizona Wildcats. Everybody, Jacob Franklin, be better, Jacob. We know that it's you. This is not me. I will take no blame for any of these remarks. Jacob has many burners, as we all know. Um, now, let's talk about Michael Candrea. Um, by the way, is there anything besides Olsen? Is there, a, and maybe not even Olsen, is there any name more synonymous with Arizona than Candrea? No. I think you can put another three or four on that list, but uh, is he on the Mount Rushmore? How about that, John Schuster? Oh, geez, he's on the hill. Anybody who watches a second of college sports, if you say Mike Andre across the country, they'll know know exactly who it is. What what school he went to? Yeah, Yeah, what what school he represented? Yes, yes. Okay, Um, let's talk about Uh, what's. uh, By the way, was he on the Mount Rushmore? Ellipse, ellipse, ellipse was uh, one of the projected titles of Mike's fourth autobiography. Yes, he wrote a lot of autobiographies. No, there there's many, and they've all been ghostwritten by John Schuster. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about teams in the country that uh, match up uh, that are interesting matchups for the U of A. I'm still not buying Purdue. Purdue lost to Northwestern. Thank you, Bruce. Do you know Bruce is a graduate of Northwestern, John Schuster? I was uh, unaware of that. I didn't do my uh, effective Columbo-ism in regards uh, to that research, but I rely on you for quality research like that. And his son goes there in case he didn't know as well. I did not. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) All right, there's a couple teams that I'm fascinated by. Um, First of all, Kansas. Um, I believe that Kansas is... How do I put this? I believe that Kansas is going to be in trouble with the U of A fans because I don't want to be accused of backing the K and not the A here. Um, <laughs> unless I you're be- backing John K. Schuster. Unless you're backing John K. Schuster. <laughs> yes. Ben White, that was very good. I wish I had stolen that. Um, Kansas, to me, is kind of uh, for the next, for now and for the next five, six, seven years, is kind of what Duke was, what, from about. 2008 to 2018, something like that, or heck, even maybe in the early 90s, whatever. I think Kansas is clearly the best program. Now, the the years might, you know, they might ebb and flow a little bit, but I think that Bill Self has his, where they're every single year essentially going to be a top three to four team in the country. Um, I believe, again, that that's this year as well. But I am interested because I think Kansas and Arizona are actually very, very close uh, images of each other in that Hunter Dickinson from the Big Ten um, and Umar Ballo, leader of men, um, obviously Hunter Dickinson's better, but then you go so with, not to say. <laughs> yes, yes. But then you go with his, uh, Ben White would say Kashaw Johnson, AKA Keyshaw or Don McClain. Oh, we will get to Don McClain. Don McClain is not escaping my, uh, grasp right there. Uh, that sounds terrible, but, um, the, uh, but then you've got Adams, uh, you got Adams and I think they're kind of similar. You got McCuller, you've got Pella Larson, you got Dewan Harris, you got, uh, El Marco Jackson, um, they they're kind of similar teams to me. Also, UConn is somewhat interesting because at the same time, they are tall, they are big, and they are big and physical. Let's talk about those teams right there. And John Schuster, if you haven't watched a second of it, you can pretend that you did. Okay, uh, here comes the uh, pretend, which is the title of Mike Luke's fifth autobiography. <laughs> uh, the the I think the general gist of the conversation here is that if you were doing this from a UConn postgame standpoint or a Kansas postgame standpoint or maybe a Houston postgame or a Marquette 
post-game standpoint or a Purdue post-game standpoint, and you were rattling off teams that could give you problems, Arizona would probably be in that conversation. And that's the place you want to be. It isn't going to be easy. And we all know at this stage of the game, because we're veterans in this process, the tournament is a nasty bugger. Uh, and a lot of the best teams in the country do not win at the end. You're, you try to be among the best teams in the country, hope the matchups and your performances work in your favor, and you keep advancing in this damn thing. Uh, so, you know, I think it's, a, it's, it's an excellent position to be in to talk about uh, teams that might give Arizona trouble when you rattle off what we think are the four or five best teams in the country. That puts Arizona in good stead and puts you in a position where you where, where you feel like there's a good chance, a nice chance that Arizona could make a deep tournament run. And when you get into those situations, then you just let the chips, as they say, uh, lie where the margin, where, where the mahjong pieces might allow. Where the mahjong pieces, Ben? You know what mahjong is? <laughs> Fill us in, shoe. No, <laughs> I have played Mahjong and have you, uh, Mike. No, I have. I played it mm. at the casino uh, three or four times in my life. Actually, um, never played it. You never played Mahjong. You should play Mahjong. Um, that would be a. Uh, it's that, a matchup uh, game that's sort of uh, it, 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 it. Or it, it. I was about to say it borrows from a lot of other games, but the reality is the other way around. Other games tend to other games like checkers and other match type card games tend to borrow from the basic Mahjong palette. So I'll add that to, to my list. I've got around. poker, I've got blackjack, mm -hmm. and I've got the DraftKings Sportsbook. And the latest Godzilla go. movie you should be able you should be watching as well because it's quite good. Oh you've got a busy you've got a busy slate, Ben White, of activity. I do. A lot of a lot of to-dos. You do have all right, go ahead, Ben White. But let's talk about what about Houston? A team where you a team that gets up and down that uh, and again I'm just speaking traditionally because I've watched one Houston game this year. But yeah. Um, a team that can pressure you with guards last year, if I were a team, I never understood why teams didn't pressure Arizona the entire game. I would do that the entire game. And people say, Mike Luke, you're an idiot. You're right. But I'm right about that part. Um, I would pressure Arizona or I, I, I don't know that that necessarily works with this year's team. Yeah. Um, Let's say it's, you guys. it's it's different um, in many years past, because I think you would say in past years that all the guards have to do on Houston is make a guy like Kirk Crease uncomfortable or make some of these other players that they had uncomfortable this year. It's not quite so simple. Um, I think really where you're going to attack Arizona is you're going to have to make things impossible for them down low make things very hard from a rebounding perspective and just hope they shoot poorly. Um, it's it's hard to attack one thing and beat the Wildcats this year. I think that's what's so, you know, I guess it gives you optimism. I know they're going to be the number one team likely and, and, and they're fantastic and that's all well and good. And But we've seen this with past teams where, I mean, the 2013, 2015 stretch of teams where they had size, they had great athleticism on the defensive end, but they couldn't score. So you knew Arizona was going to run into issues there. I mean, under Miller, offense was an issue as well. Um, under Lloyd, the first couple of years, physicality and toughness was an issue. Um, you don't have that this year. I think there's not one thing other than Balo's weakness. I mean, there's nothing glaring on paper that you look at this team and think there's there's something preventing them from winning at all. So I think Houston's not going to be easy. I mean, I'm not saying Arizona's going to blow the lights out of Houston or anything like that. But I wouldn't worry about it the way I would in years past, if that makes any sense. Do you worry about the four peaks, though, being in the background there, John Schuster? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it is rare, rare that I worry about peak one, two, three, or four. All right, here's the deal with four peaks. 
All right, check it out. Visit fourpeaks.com slash locator to find all your vis- uh, favorite brewery tours and events. Check out at Four Peaks Brewer, at Four Peaks Pub to keep up with the latest at Arizona's hometown brewery. Must be 21 years or older to drink Four Peaks. Please drink responsibly. Four Peaks, the term of the U of A Big Men last year. There's only three peaks this year, but it doesn't matter. The Four Peaks live on because the fourth peak is redshirting this year. So there are still Four Peaks. Dylan Anderson. Um all right, what were we just talking about? Uh, Houston. Pro- yeah, yeah, Houston, Bobby Huggins type stuff. Do you? Yeah. What do you think, Shu? Sure, I think that uh, I'm I'm fascinated to see that kind of matchup because it's one of those things where Houston, uh, good, really good athletic defensive teams, can be frustrating to what you want to do, and then if they can get into your head, uh, then you start to perhaps press a little bit more than you would like and make the situation a little bit worse. So games like that require Arizona to show patience. Because sometimes it's not going to be easy against a good defensive team to get the looks that you're accustomed to getting. You're going to get, um, you know, they're, they're, you're, you're going to get beat up a little bit. You know, there will be uh, physical effort. Sometimes the, the refs maybe don't call the game the way that you would prefer. Pella Larson's going to cover the over uh, in regards to number of times he's hit the floor by about the first eight minutes of any Swedish uh, pinball. respective game. Exactly. The Swedish pinball is going to do that. Ballow finds his way in that capacity as well. You don't get bailed out by calls. And then you start to make things a little bit more difficult on yourself. I think those games require pressure and holding your own defensively. And and uh, trying to do whatever you can from a from a rebounding standpoint, there there are going to be ugly games. Teams that play Arizona need to make it ugly. So it's up to the yeah. teams that can make it ugly. And, you know, obviously there are exceptions. I think Kansas is a clear exception here. Kansas could be in a game where both teams score a hundred and have a shot to win. Uh, although I guess technically if both teams scored a hundred, somebody would have to score one more point, but, but th- those semantics out of the way, the gist of it is, I think more often than not physicality, packing it in, holding your own on the glass and making Arizona beat you from three point range is probably going to be the model that teams try to utilize how successful they're going to be at that uh, remains to be seen. But I think that's going, that, that that's going to be sort of the model to attempt. I expect Wisconsin to try that. To some degree, I expect Purdue to try that. Michigan State tried that and in some ways was successful. Remember, we're we're talking about how good Arizona is, understandably. They deserve to be number one in the country. They deserve it. We deserve this. uh, The sixth Mike Luke autobiography. I deserve Uh, this. But Arizona was down against Duke in the last two minutes of the game. And Michigan State made it what a two possession game, almost a one possession game on a few occasions. They took like, they took the lead at one point, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, with so, like three so, minutes left. So you're, you know, this has not been. I I get that Arizona's winning games by thirty. I get that Arizona's talented. I get that we rightfully expect that Arizona's going to make a deep tournament run, and they're really balanced. But that doesn't mean that there isn't good, uh, other good college basketball out there that can give Arizona some trouble, too. All right. I want to talk a little bit of college football, Arizona style here, and a pet peeve of mine that's coming up. But first, the BetMGM Sportsbook app. Sign up for BetMGM. Use bonus code PHNX. Place your first uh, BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook mobile app of at least $10. If that bet loses, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Check out the show notes for details. But again, this is very... Very, very interesting, my friends. Very interesting. Um, you can uh, receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. Uh, all mm-hmm. kinds of good stuff right there. Let's hear the uh, let's hear the uh, disclaimer from the great Shane Diefenbaugh. 
problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y 467-369-NEW YORK. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. All right. First of all, that Pac-12 championship was awesome. I want to ask you guys this. And again, I know that uh, John Schuster hates getting into uh, theoreticals. I love getting into theoreticals. We will meet in the middle, and I will ask both of you a theoretical. Mm -hmm. If Arizona were to play Washington, who wins that game? Who wants to start? Well, Good, you. you quit fighting over it. Uh, Washington. Right. Um, that's not the answer you wanted, does it? No, no, it's uh, fine. Yeah. Up until uh, up until last night's performance, I thought Arizona, and I, I have to pair this a little bit. Arizona would have a a a, a good chance of getting a W against Washington. But the way Washington played last night, I thought was very impressive. It was. Not only were they able to move the chains, but their physicality gave Oregon all kinds of fits. If you do it once and get lucky on a field goal that just misses, okay. Oregon, keep in mind, Washington was undefeated heading into that game, had a berth in the college football playoffs, and was a 10-point underdog. Right. Wait, what? Right. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, and Washington seemed to be kind of pissed off at that. Oregon is an excellent football team that I think, frankly, from an overall talent standpoint, both of those teams would deserve to be in the final four. But you can I get that it isn't happening. I get that, you know, you could favorably argue Texas is good and Georgia's good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're right. Uh, but nevertheless, it was a great football game, but I was very impressed with the way Washington played last night. And it made me think that they're in the final year of the Pac-X. There's Washington and Oregon at the top. Arizona is clearly at that second level, a little bit ahead of Oregon State. And there's a group of some other teams that have some flaws. Uh, so I think Arizona is deservedly third, but I think Washington and Oregon are better. Want to know how I know that Washington, this is always something that I, I generally can tell if a team is better than the other one, other than the fact that I'm by who wins. Um, <laughs> if a team gets ahead early, and this is something that I generally think bears itself out, like Washington does, where they get ahead early and then another team, the team, other, other team comes back and then they take a lead. And then the team that took the early lead comes back and then is like, all right, that's enough of that. We're doing this and we're salting the game away. Whether that's in basketball, whether that's in football, that to me in a weird way is almost as impressive as just smacking the heck out of the team in that, all right, we took a big lead. You came back and then it's like, okay, we got to get serious again here. Not saying that that happened, but Washington to me is clearly a little bit better than Oregon. I thought the better team won last night. I did too. Um, and I think it's crazy when you look at just how Oregon has been playing. Um, Nick's had what three touchdowns last time. I mean, Bo Nick's played out of his mind for the most part outside of that interception and Penix played well too. Don't get me wrong. I think he's definitely one of the best QBs in the country. And, um, I would consider him in the Heisman conversation, but it'd be between him or Jaden Daniels for me, um, personally, but you look at what Washington did the majority of that game. I mean, like you said, they got ahead and 
they're clicking at the right time. And, you know, I know they're undefeated, but the game against Arizona was close. They had some close calls um, throughout the season, but they clearly look one, one of the best four teams in college football right now. And um, they should go to the playoff. Hopefully they do. I'd be surprised if they don't. Um, but yeah, I, I think Arizona would have a little bit of a tougher time because Michael Penix is really good. Um, Fafita is really good too, but that roster up and down, I mean, it's got speed. It's got the ability to score, you know, 30 to 50 points if need be. And their defense has just come a long way from where it was earlier in the year. So I think it'd be a handful for Arizona, um, but I don't think it'd be impossible. I'm still taking Washington though. Yeah. And I, I think it was one of those fascinating things where we got, we, we, we sort of got lulled into Washington playing close games. Uh, and, and, and I think even, what was it? Six weeks ago, the ASU game where they had to struggle to win yeah. and it was, you know, just ugly and they couldn't get anything done. I think the final was 15 to seven. And it felt like in the middle portion of the season, after they got the Oregon win, that there was a bit of a pressure hangover that and and they had to work a lot harder in some of these games and the talent on the roster yeah i agree should with that. have you know that that should have been the issue now again you're talking about a conference that has a lot of good football teams so but washington won a bunch of close I, I think they've won more um either within seven or single digit games than any other team in the country uh so 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 you know that there are some close games here and there but last night i i expected oregon to win and was surprised when Washington was the better football team for 40 of those 60 minutes. Uh, and, and yeah, but, uh, but was very impressed with what they did in the process and feel good about them representing well uh, once you get into the playoff format. You know what I also like, too? I, Kalen DeBoer, not that he cares who I am, not that he knows who I am, not that he will ever know who I am. But, you know, I like coaches that when they have, I've got a Heisman contender, a quarterback. I'm not just going to run the ball and make you use your timeouts and then pump the ball away and hope my defense can stop you. He went for the kill shot. And yeah, I love time. coaches that do that. It drives me up a wall when I watch the David Shaw nonsense where, all right, well, you know, we'll make them use their timeouts and we got to trust the defense. No. In this day and age, when you've got offense, when you've got great offenses and where it's geared to help out an offense, if I've got Michael Penix and it's a third and two, and I have two different options between ha trusting him to win that game or make the other team use the next uh, other timeout, I love that he went for it. Um, to me, that's a no brainer, but shoot, coaches don't do that a lot of the time. Coaches, uh, I'm sure Brandon Staley would look at his uh, <laughs> look at his play card and say, "Well, the odds tell me that I have to run it here, or that I have to run it here, and then we'll run it again on fourth down and get stopped." No, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be exactly the opposite. Staley just go to the end zone because analytics say that one out of ten times you're going to get a personal, uh, you know, a pass interference penalty or something <laughs> like that, and, and that'll move the chains. That's He's true. there. There is a fine line between being the gunslinger on every possession and recognizing opportunities. And I think Washington's, and, and frankly, I think Oregon does a really good job of this as well. There are two programs that can see, seem to do a good job of seeing what's in front of you and, and what the yardage situation is and the talent that you have and ways to attack that you believe can be successful. And Washington's play on uh, third and two 
that sealed the win was, you know, it was a pass play that if it goes incomplete, Oregon's got decent field position and uh, they have a timeout to play with. And, you know, with Knicks, they have an opportunity to move down the field with some time left. But uh, Washington went for it anyway. It was a relatively safe pass and uh, Penix made it. The guy caught it. And uh, they were in, obviously, that, that closed the deal. Again, Oregon's an excellent football team. Mm-hmm. And when, sometimes when you get into this conversation, these conversations and you talk about, well, you know, Washington was just better. Washington beat a really good team yesterday. Right. Uh, so, you, you know, their position in this, uh, I think they're, I don't think they're going to be an easy out uh, with whatever is in front of them. And I think they've got, mm-hmm. they, they have a very good opportunity uh, to represent this conference well. Where I'm at also, uh, there's something else I need to complain about. We're going to make fun of the Big Ten title game in a second because I think that's all kinds of fun. By the way, did you know? Here, listen to this with Iowa that you can get in here. Guess what the over under for points by Iowa in the first half is John Schuster. Oh, oh my gosh. Is it six? That's like, that's way game. too high. That's isn't high. It? <laughs> that's high. Is it? It's, it's going to be two and a half, isn't it? Is it no, two and a half? Going, keep going lower. What? Keep going lower. It's lower There's than two no and a half. way. Yep. No, it is. The halftime line is what? lower than two and a half. It is for both halves. Well, uh, you think, well, the comment. Hey, comment! One don't look at half? the comments. Don't. No, I, 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 I don't see comments. Okay, uh, one and a half. Uh, keep going lower. It's <laughs> oh, 0.5. 0.5. Oh my goodness! I see. 0.5 it, yeah. is what the line is for both. That is the epitome to me of why Big Ten football outside of one or two teams stinks. Uh, uh, Iowa is in the Big Ten championship game, and they're over under for points scored in each half is less than a point. That Granted, Michigan's really, really good. Get all of that. But again, I watched Iowa a lot this year. You get to play, when you get to play Rutgers, Purdue, Nebraska, Minnesota, all those teams, and then you get absolutely annihilated the second you play anybody with a heartbeat. This is bad football. I don't care what Kevin Woodman says about, you know, that's, uh, you know, three yards and a cloud of dust. This is your grandfather's football game. This is crap. And uh, that's exactly what this is. Iowa doesn't try to score. And the fact I've never seen a betting line like that 0.5. That just needs to take. Doesn't, but, but doesn't it make you nostalgic? Doesn't it no, make it you nostalgic for the desert swarm Tommy teams? Yeah, but at least those teams. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but those teams were good against good teams, though. Iowa's not even a good defense. They're the second two, Mike. Yeah, the second thing. Guess what? The second they play Penn State, oh, all of a sudden we gave up 31. It's weird. The second <laughs> tonight, I guarantee you, they're going to give up 40 points to Michigan. It's all crap. And that's literally what it is. Big Ten, uh, Big Ten football, Big Ten basketball is far worse. But uh, I will say this. I do believe that uh, Washington and Oregon are going to uh, – uh, behave very well in the big 10. I think that they are, uh, I don't know necessarily about SC, but I think that Washington and Oregon are definitely built to run that conference. Yeah. And I think, go ahead, Ben, I'm sorry. And I, and just, uh, the humorous me thinks that, uh, Ference's world might become crashing down once this, uh, expansion takes place. Maybe there's actually a little bit of a hot seat there because you're not left with all this crap in the big 10 West anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, they, they, Go this, ahead. Is, this is Joe, dude. This is this is true. We we I, I do apologize. We interrupt bashing the Big Ten for something much that, better. That, TLN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we do rely. <laughs> uh John Schuster, Damon Stoudemire is going to be an interesting coach to watch going forward. He did a solid job in Pacific. TLN, you're the man. I brought uh, that totally would have escaped my mind. Um, he did a very solid job in Pacific. 
Uh, he became the associate head coach with the Boston Celtics. They're now four and two at Georgia Tech. They just knocked off Duke. Uh, he's going to be an interesting one to watch. And the reason he's going to be an interesting uh, one to watch is because, listen, maybe if uh, if Tommy Lloyd ever takes the Gonzaga job, whatever the case may be, everybody's always nostalgic for that Arizona player or that Arizona guy, but there's never been one that's an actual natural candidate. Damon would be a natural candidate. That would look, uh, I'm rooting for Damon Stoudemire. And I will say this. Out of all the players that I've watched at the U of A, all the all-time greats, if you were to tell me that Damon Stoudemire was going to be the coach, you would have uh, you would have won some money on the BetMGM app against me. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that, but good on him uh, for being able to make it work. And maybe this is, uh, you know, he he's learned under some good guys. He's figured out uh, how to make things work. Maybe his is sort of a version of what Jed Fish has done here. You, uh, you get to understand what you're supposed to do under a bunch of uh, head coaches who do a good job, pick and choose from variety, have some outlets of folks you can talk to. He probably has, I don't know, but he probably has Steve Kerzier, you know, other guys who maybe went to the university who can give him some advice here and there. And uh, it's obviously a really good start at Georgia Tech. And since that's their way over there, you wish him nothing but the best and that uh, things go well. As far as looking way ahead, is he a viable candidate for Arizona? I'd, I'd much prefer that Tommy Lloyd is here for the next 30 I years agree. and not really care about that. Uh, so, But nevertheless, that's... Uh, uh, you know, that's another thing as, uh, if Stoudemire is successful at Georgia tech, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, hopefully a good fortune comes his way as for some of the pack X programs and teams looking back at football again, and how they may adjust. The one that I think might have the most difficulty is the one that is the most marquee team of that group. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's USC. I agree. Uh, because, oh, and yeah. And it's one and especially with Riley at the helm, given his reputation for, you know, not believing the defense is something that you're allowed to do. Um, <laughs> I think that was I think KB Thiel was, uh, underneath here said that he thought Oregon and Washington were well built uh, for Big Ten style football, which based on weather, you're going to have to be. And this is one of the curious things. And I haven't heard, you know, sometimes I'm missing things. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with Chip Kelly at UCLA. He stinks. He forgot how to coach offense. I think uh, is he is he still there? Yeah, he's yep. still there. He lost okay. his if defensive coordinator though yesterday. If, to if USC. he's, I, I think getting rid of Chip Kelly as UCLA tries to transition to the Big Ten would be a terrible idea because Chip Kelly is a perfect Big Ten style coach uh, who can be physical, who can milk clock, who can still come up with an offense that's a little bit more advanced than what they do in the Big Ten. UCLA would be dumb to make that. Move. Are we sure we're but not talking about the old but, Chip Kelly, John Schuster? Because this Chip Kelly at UCLA doesn't look anything like the Chip Kelly at Oregon that was always ahead of the curve. Have, I, when you I, watch think, UCLA, I think he's still, you know, obviously recruiting matters, but I think uh, in terms, I think they are dangerously close to being better than their record indicates. And again, he played what with the freshman quarterback this year? Uh, and, and who had a lot of ups and downs, but you can see the talent that that kid's got. Uh, so uh, I think, um, <laughs> I don't know what that means, uh, but I'm glad it's fantastic. Yeah. Nevertheless, I'm sure that's an he's your biggest. That he's your biggest, no, he's I'm your biggest fan, John Schuster, right. even bigger uh, than me. Whereas the difference with you, anyway, Chip Kelly should stay at UCLA. I think it will help them in the Big Ten. It's certainly in the early stages of that transition. USC, however, if they've got to play a game in early November where the weather is a suck fest 
and they're going to play that highfalutin kind of wild whistle style. And all of a sudden, you, you know, they somebody uh, in those trenches is just going to punch them constantly and they are going to wilt like dandelions. And until they, and, uh, until they get to the point where they need to seriously understand what kind of defense you have to have uh, to be competitive in that league, I think it's SC that could be the most problematic uh, from a negative overall standpoint, whereas Washington, Oregon, and possibly UCLA can transition a little bit better. All right, before we sign off here, one thing, John Schuster's talking about people that need to be big in the trenches, that need to be strong in the trenches. Again, hero bread. Again, if you don't have hero bread, then I don't really know what to tell you, especially if you're a football player. Um, So again, right now, Hero Bread is offering listeners 10% off your first order. Just go to hero.co and use code PHNX to save on Hero Bread. That's hero.co to save 10% today. A high in fiber and ultra low in net carbs. All right, I want to leave you guys on one thing. Um, If Alabama beats Georgia... It's going to very much annoy me if Alabama gets into the uh, college football playoffs over Texas. This is very simple. Texas went into Alabama and beat Alabama this year in Alabama. They both have one loss. Alabama or Texas won their game today by about 10,000 points against Oklahoma State. I get Alabama beat Georgia. I will I, I'm sure that they'll put Alabama in over Georgia or Texas. I'm sure they'll leapfrog them, but I have a major problem if both teams have one loss and the team you put in over lost at home to that other team. Am I an idiot? I don't think you're an idiot. I think that's very spot on. And I mean, when you look at, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I know a lot of people think you are. No, most do. Um, yeah, I think when you look at Texas's schedule and what they've done this year, I mean, it's it's far more impressive. Um, I think Alabama has has just struggled dramatically for them. I get that they're still here at this point in the title game, but I'm, I'm sorry. when you When you beat teams the way you have and Texas destroyed Oklahoma state today and they've had some injuries and they've had some issues all year. Um, they should be the clear team. I think at that three or four spot. So you've got Michigan, you've got uh, Washington, right? And then you've probably got two teams right now with the way things are up in the air. And this game is 17, seven Bama at half. So we'll yeah. see. All right. What do you say? Uh, what do you say? Oh, Jones? I, I, I think it's more an indictment of the fourteen playoff, and thankfully, this is the end of that. And uh, the expansion to twelve can't come fast enough. Uh, Texas is Alabama is not going to leapfrog Texas. Texas uh, really? has earned. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, now, do you think now, this is like a JDL starting situation? Yes. Yes. Whether um, I'm whether you bet you a cider, you know, bet a cider on that. Sure. I hope I'm wrong. I would love uh, to pay you the side. Whether, whether there are let, – let's say this. Texas will be seated ahead of Alabama, but I don't think Alabama is going to take Texas' slot if in a four-team playoff. So, for instance, the only way that – you know, Texas could be third and Alabama could be fourth. Uh, but Texas Fair is enough. going to be seated higher. But if it's between Texas and Alabama, depending on how this all shakes out, Texas is going to get the nod over Alabama, even if it means that nobody in the SEC is going to get into this final four. All right. On that note, everybody out there, you guys are fantastic. I am not going to get a face tattoo and I am not going to get it back the A-Tramp <laughs> stamp. But I do believe that at some point... Um, somebody is going to break the mold and get it back the a tattoo. And I do believe that when that happens, this city is going to be overtaken by it. I do believe that that is something that, uh, that possibly could happen. All right. On that note, you guys are all fantastic. Again, appreciate all of you for Ben white, hot spot, John Schuster. <laughs> 
Oh, I would bring the beard back in a second. Hot, by the way, Hot Shots. Ben, that's another movie you need to watch. Another, uh, it's uh, along the Dumb and Dumber ilk. It's with Part Who's Two. Is it Val Kilmer, right? No, no, no. Who's that? No, number one. No, it's Charlie Sheen. Number oh, okay. one. Yeah. Who is? Who's oh, top in, secret is Val Kilmer. My who's Hot Shots? Who's in Hot secret. Shots one? Um, it's uh, uh, I think Christian. I think Christian Slater might be in it. Um. Uh oh, Dennis or uh, who's the old uh 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 Michael Douglas is in it or not Michael Douglas? Who is Michael Douglas' dad? Kirk. Kirk Douglas is in it. Um, who's Michael Douglas' dad? <laughs> who's George W. Bush's father? I mean, but all right, I'm sorry, I'm I'm getting way off uh, on a tangent here, but. Appreciate all of you for the great Jacob Franklin behind the scenes messing with U of A fans. Actually, that was me. But on that note, we will uh, we'll be back with you on Monday. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast postgame.